Thanks, Christine. A introduction like that will almost make me unhumble uh, and uh, always increasingly handsome, but a little less humble. And uh, isn't it great to be in the presence of the Lord today? And isn't it good to be with God's people? That's why David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And I love the fact that we get to come to a physical house, but how many know you also are the house of the Lord? We're a dwelling place of the Most High God. I love the words of David in Psalm 27, verse 4. He said, this one thing I ask. This one thing I will seek. That I will gaze upon your beauty. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord all of my days. There's something about getting your gaze on Jesus that removes every other distraction that aligned your affection. See, I believe there's a prophetic word over this house. There's a prophetic word over all of us. And all of that uh, brings us into a place of invitation. And that place of invitation is this, first love. The Lord is bringing us to the place of first love. I have to love him more than I love everything else. I, I believe the words of that song we just sang aren't just a song. I believe it's a prophetic declaration. There, there's nothing that's better than you. Let me ask you a question. What's overshadowing your faith? What's overshadowing your affection? A couple of times last year, the Lord asked me this question. What are you looking at? What are you looking at? I think this is a season more than any other time. It's really easy to get distracted. We can get distracted by news. We get distracted by all of the swirl of stuff that's happening around us. And I just believe right now, the Lord is bringing us from distraction to define affection. The Lord is calling us, causing us to fall in love with him all over again. There is nothing better than him. There's nothing greater than him. And I believe that we must keep our eyes upon Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. Some of you right now, it's time to re-engage what God has written. It's time to re-engage what God has written in this book. Are, are you hearing me today? It's time to re-engage what God has written upon my heart with every prophetic word, with every dream, with every whisper of his voice. It's time to re-engage all of that because that will keep me from distraction. There are some of us in this place today and you are in the place of disappointment. You've watched things happen for everybody else and you feel stuck. And I have a prophetic word for you. God's gonna take you from stuck to soaring. Many of you are about to get the expanse of your wings. You're about to catch the wind of the Spirit in this season. There are some of you right now that have died a thousand deaths by disappointment. You thought it was your time. You thought it was your turn. You, you watch friends get married. You watch friends have children. And you feel like it will never happen for you. I'm here to tell you right now that God is about to bring resurrection life into every dream, into every promise. And those things that have seemed like they've been sifted by time, I'm telling you right now, you're about to pass the test. You're about to graduate into the place of promise. 
See, when you feel tested and tried on every side, to me, it's an indicator. It's a sign. Why? The Psalm says these words, that the dream tested Joseph until the day it came to pass. 17 years of testing. And yet, as you read through Genesis, you won't find Joseph whining or complaining. Instead, you find him navigating. He navigates the lonely. He navigates the prison. He navigates the pit. And he refuses to let his heart become bitter or offended. The Lord's been asking me this question. What does it mean to live a life without regrets? How many know in the family of God, we're being invited to live a life without regrets? But what also does it mean to be unoffendable? I believe the Lord wants us to be unoffendable. How do you become unoffendable? I love you more than you can hurt me. I love you more than you can talk about me. I love you more than you can post about me. I love you more than what you can say about me behind my back. I love you more than you could do to me. I love you more than you can hurt me. I refuse to be offended. Why? It's a sign. Jesus said offenses will come. He prophesied it. Thank him, not me. I want to tell you that that hope is coming. He's saying offenses will come. He's telling you what's coming because every day you have the opportunity to become offended. He said, offenses will come, but blessed are you when you are not offended because of me. I think the church is calling a lot of things persecution when it's really just offense. We've created a spiritual term to justify our own behavior. And the lie in our head has created an issue in our heart, and it's why we can't connect. When non-believers annihilate me on social media, when when people send me hate mail and emails and and all kinds of things, I don't know why people don't like me. I like me. You like me. I just have more of me to like. It's, It's just amazing. Can I tell you something? It's not persecution. It's birth pains. I'm going to make a harsh statement. It's not actually a harsh statement, but people have taken this statement out of context. So please let me make this statement and I will build on it. People in pain don't care about you. They only want to be healed. They only want to feel better. And sometimes the pain comes out as anger. Sometimes the pain comes out as anguish. Sometimes the pain comes out in tears. Sometimes it comes out in rage. Sometimes it comes out in a temper tantrum. Sometimes it comes out with hate mail. All of those things. And all I've come to realize is this. They're not really angry at me. They're just in pain. If I view them as a project, I will never see them healed. Because people aren't my project. They're my pro- they are my promise. All of creation is longing with eager expectation, even birth pains under now waiting for the manifestation or revelation of the sons and daughters of God. So when they're yelling and barking and screaming and raging and and manifesting demons around you, it's not because they don't like you. It's because they're waiting for you to respond like Jesus. 
I saw something the other day and it offended me. That's how I knew it was for me. Because what offends you reveals you. If I feel offended, it's not because of what you said to me. It's because of something in here that's unresolved and unhealed. So I don't need to fix you. I just need God to heal me. It flips the script, actually. And it puts the responsibility on me and Jesus. Here was the statement. Christian, stop saying you're being persecuted for Jesus. You're not being persecuted for Jesus. You're being persecuted for not acting like him. How many know fruit doesn't lie? And in the charismatic world, we, we focus so much on gifts. And I thank God for all of the gifts. I thank God for healing and prophecy and words of knowledge and words of wisdom and tongues and miracles. I thank God for all of the nine beautiful gifts of the spirit. They are the gifts of God. But in Galatians 5 and 22, there's also five, there are nine fruits of the spirit. Every gift has a corresponding fruit. My gift could fool you for a while, but the fruit of my life won't lie to you. Are you hearing me today? I used to pray this prayer up until a couple weeks ago. Lord, I want more. Lord, I want to be more like you. Can I tell you something? The last move of God began with more. This move of God begins with all. Lord, I don't want more of you. I want all of you. I don't want to be more like you. I want to be all like you. Because until this flesh, till the shadow of this flesh heals the sick, until when I walk into the room, people feel the presence of hope and glory on my life. There's too much of me. I understand the principle. I thank God for that movement. I am not correcting. I am not denying that, that it was, it's a valid cry from our hearts. But maybe we cry out for more because we're afraid of all. See, wrong theology will lead you to a, a wrong destination. It will lead you to wrong thinking. If I have wrong theology, when Jesus shows up in a way I'm not used to, I will call him a demon. His own disciples who lived with him day in and day out for three years, when he walked to them on the water, they thought he was a ghost. If I were going to preach a series, I'd probably preach a series on the Jesus I never knew. Because every day I'm learning something new. Every day I'm seeing something new that I've never seen before. And there's a cry in all of our hearts all around the world to get back to normal. And I'm all right with normal as long as it's not usual. I'm good with going to normal as long as normal lines up with Matthew 10 and 7. When Jesus said, go heal the sick, cleanse the leper, cast out demons and raise the dead. That's normal. We, we call it radical. We call it a, a occasional. Somebody with a great anointing has a story or we see something on a missions trip. And Jesus is saying, hey, it's not a spectacle. It's a lifestyle. It's not for the sweet by and by. It's not just for the, you know, you know for the, the charismatic celebrity. It's not for the guy with the name and the microphone. It's for everyday life. 
There's a great awakening coming. I'm going to make another statement. I'm not taking a jab at any kind of movement. I just want to, can I tell you something? Being spiritually awake is much greater than being culturally woke. In fact, I don't even think you can be truthfully culturally woke unless you're spiritually awake. Because if I'm just culturally woke, I'll be an activist. But if I am spiritually awake, I'll be a deliverer. Are you hearing me? God wants to awaken something on the inside of us. There's a longing in you, whether you know it or not, to go deeper, to go farther than you've ever been. There's a longing in you that says, I do not want usual. I do not want ordinary. We're not an ordinary church. We're not an ordinary people. Are you hearing me? We are, we are called for so much greater. We're called for so much more. I want you to know something. This is not about a season. This is about a moment. Most of us don't like seasons anyway. You like a season. Some of us are springtime people because we like tulips and daffodils and strawberries. Some of us are summer people because we like suntans and beaches. Some of us are fall people because we like the fall foliage. And some of us are winter people because we like the snow. And we didn't view a week of being locked in as a big problem. We thought it was God giving us a gift. But this isn't about a season. This is about a moment, about a moment in time where Jesus shows up and changes everything. It's about a moment when Jesus steps through your darkness and light surrounds you. This is about a moment in time where Jesus steps into your depression and all of a sudden true joy comes. This is about a moment when Jesus steps into your sickness and all of a sudden healing comes. This is about a moment when Jesus steps into your fear and love explodes on the inside of you and casts out all fear. Are you hearing me? It's about a moment. Some of you don't need a sermon today. You need a moment. Some of you don't need songs on a screen. You need a moment. Some of you don't need another Bible study. You need a moment. Some of you don't need another prophetic word. You need a moment. A moment in time where the God of the universe begins to collide in your universe, in your world, and changes everything and flips it upside down and inside out. And you don't know which way is up and which way is down, but you know you are caught up in the glory of God and nothing else matters. What people think doesn't matter. What they say doesn't matter. What they're yelling at you doesn't matter. How they're manifesting, whatever they're manifesting doesn't matter. Come on, I think we could change the words of the old Nat King song to instead of unforgettable to unoffendable. That's what you are. Don't be offended. Don't be offended at non-believers. Why are you expecting them to act like believers anyway? Why are you expecting non-believers to act like Christians? I wish Christians could just act like believers. We'd be a whole happier church. Can you imagine if we just walked around like Jesus? 
loving and healing and encouraging and exhorting. He didn't come to challenge the disciples. He came to change them. He didn't come to touch the world. He came to transform it. And we've created this nice, pretty, dainty little box that we're comfortable in and God is breaking off all of the comforts. The church isn't about comfort and convenience. My son, Ben, who many of you know, got married in February and uh, I'm not crying because I'm sad he's married. I'm actually glad that, he's, glad that he's adulting and paying his own bills. It's amazing how much more money I have. And so I blessed that in him. But his revelation is amazing. We were spending some time and getting our suits back at the end of January. And we were talking that song, actually Graves in the Gardens came on. And I began to weep and he's used to it because if the wind changes direction, I weep. If the sun shines, I weep. If it rains, I weep. If a baby cries, I weep. If a baby giggles or poops, I, weep. I, I, I laugh. You know, I just weep. Uh, and, and, and I'm not afraid of the tears and I'm not ashamed of the tears. It's just an expression of God. And sometimes I realize they're not even my own emotions. It's the emotion that God is feeling in the moment. And he doesn't waste a tear and doesn't waste a prayer. He actually catches them and brings them up back into the clouds and releases them again like rain. So you're welcome for the rain of last week. I had something to do with that. Some of you are like, that borders on hypocrisy. You're right. Um, but, but we were driving, and as we were driving, and it just hits me, and I, I said the statement that I said to you, like, I don't want to go back to usual. I don't want to go back to the pool. In my world, everybody wants to get back to conferences and stadiums and all that stuff. And really, my heart is for a local church. My heart is equipping the saints. My heart is being a prophetic voice in the earth, and I don't want to entertain you. I want to equip you. And he said, dad, what if we didn't minister from the place of convenience, but we actually ministered out of conviction? See, I think there are things we don't like anymore. We don't like words anymore because we go, that's negative. Conviction is actually a good word. It speaks of my character, which is convicted to be like Jesus. When I fall short, I'm convicted that I need to repent, which is another word we don't like because we focus on the negative. Repent means turn from my sin. Actually, it means more than that. It means not just turn from my sin. It means to turn to God. That's very positive because the more I turn to him, the less I have to repent of. We don't like the word accountability because we think that I'm help being held accountable for my porn problem, or my drinking problem, or my cussing problem, or my marriage problem, or my financial problem. And we never realize that it's not about an account to my failures. It's actually about an account to my ability, accountability. So I no longer go, how are you doing with your pornography problem? I go, hey, how are you doing with a prophetic gift on the inside of you that should be sanctified and filled with the presence of God? And if you stay in the presence of God, less, more of that will lead to less of this. That's really great, Dave. That's amazing. It is so tweetable. I always feel like when somebody says that, I feel like I should say, excuse me, I just tweeted. (laughs) 
You didn't expect to get through a Sunday afternoon. See, I couldn't say that at 8.30 because those are the Sunday morning crowd. Y'all are the Sunday afternoon crowd. So a whole lot more goes, all right? A part of this awakening, there's three ways you know you're awake. Number one, there's a hunger in you you never had before. The revival that hit Pensacola, Florida, where I lived for 20 years, all began with an evangelist asking a pastor, are you hungry? And as long as they maintained the hunger, God kept, kept showing up. So Grace Center, are you hungry? Say, so are, are you waiting for an event? Or are you looking for a moment? Are you looking for an event? Are you living in the moment that God designed for you? See, this is not about event Christianity. It is about living the life of Jesus out in the earth. See, I believe we've missed about 10 years of true revival because we've waited for somebody to come with a hot message and anointed hands and a prophetic gift and miracles to manifest when God is saying, hey, I put revival in your seats and you didn't recognize it. There's a part of you that God is reviving in this season that is so far beyond what we understand. Are you hungry? Jesus said, blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness. Are you hungry? Are you thirsty? See, I don't want to eat what I already ate. Unless it's Jeff Dollar's tri-tip. <laughs> Word. Here, here's what I'm saying. I don't want to feast on what I've already had because I know that. I actually want to step into what I've never known, what I've never seen, what I've never experienced before. God is changing our spiritual taste buds. He's changing our spiritual appetite. Come on, I believe that this is a season where God is stirring us up. There's a stirring that you've never felt before. Paul told Timothy, stir up the gift that came with the laying on of my hands and the words of the elders. If you want to avoid shaking, stay stirred up. You never knew that James Bond, 0007, could prophesy. He preferred shaken, not stirred. I preferred stirred, not shaken. Thirdly, there's an urgency in the spirit for the lost, an urgency in the spirit towards the promises and the purposes of God. I believe it's important that we feel the urgency without getting in a hurry. Before all of the crazy broke out, I was in South Africa in a town called Peter Meritzburg. And uh, God showed up on a Saturday night. There were about 300 people at the altar and we were ministering to people. We had a team, but uh, I could feel the pull of all these people. And I, I ministered to one and then to two and then to a third uh, young man. And after about two and a half minutes, he gave me a CD. It wasn't his rap album. He, he just fell out in the spirit. He gave me a courtesy drop. It wasn't the Holy Spirit at all. He just thought, thanks for praying for me. I'll fall back so you can move on to the next. And I felt like Benny Hinn for a moment. Pick him up. But, but I resisted. I waited and all of a sudden he looks up at me, opens one eye to see if anybody's still there. And I said, hey man. And his name was Lynn, L-I-N. I had him stand back up. And I ministered another five minutes. And then 10, you could feel the pull, like me next, me next. I want a word, I want a word, I want a word. 
And I kept trying to move on. And the Lord said, no, I want you to stay with him because heaven's not in a hurry. I spent two and a half hours ministering to him because he was the assignment. What if we began to ask God for assignments? Lord, what's my assignment? What do you need from me? What do you want from me today? I'm not talking about doing a job. This is a privilege. This is an honor. This is not work. This is worship. Until your gift and your calling becomes your worship, until that entrepreneurial anointing becomes your worship, until your actual musicianship becomes your worship, uh, until your business gift becomes your worship, until your governmental gift becomes your worship, until your ministry gift becomes your worship, you, you are living beneath what God has designed and desired it to be. It's not my obligation, it's my adoration. Giving is not about obligation, it's about adoration. I love the Lord and he loves you, so that makes me want to pour out more. Are you getting this today? See, I believe there's a realignment. There is this uh, uh, calling to, to fix our gaze upon him like never before. God's not in a hurry. But there is an urgency in the time we're living in and we should hasten the day of his appearing. Can I tell you something? I believe God wants to change our minds about end times. We are living in days that Paul and Peter and James and John would be jealous to be living in right now. And their head would not be buried and would be buried in the sand and hidden in the closet. They, they would actually be shouting it from the rooftops. In crowds of people, they would put their masks on so that they could minister and speak without complaining. They, they would become all things to all men so that everybody had the opportunity to hear the gospel. Don't miss what I'm saying to you today. We are living in these amazing days. But most of the church are really... Most churches are filled with spiritual streakers. Holy Spirit streakers. They got the helmet of salvation on and everything else completely exposed. Do not imagine that. That will cause you to sin. Lord, would you just heal lust and envy right now in Jesus' name. So much for the humble thing. Here's the mindset. We got the helmet of salvation on. We got a sword in one hand in case any demons come at us. We got a suitcase. Jesus, give me my Star Trek moment. Beam me up out of here. Lord, it's so intense. Lord, I'm being persecuted on every side. I feel pressed, kind of crushed, persecuted, trying not to be offended, cast down, but I feel like I'm being destroyed. Can you just get me out of here? And Jesus saying, no. Because I ain't coming for some beat up, banged up bride. With spaghetti sauce and wine dripping off your wedding gown. There's a huge difference between Jesus coming on a rescue mission or coming to pick up his wife on, a, on his wedding day. 
and you are called to be the bride of Christ. I believe in the rapture, but it's not this huge rescue mission. It's this great catching up. It, it, we're going to a wedding and to a feast. But you'll miss it if you want convenient Christianity. We are covenant people. Can I, can I just say more things to maybe make you mad, but I really don't want to make you mad? I was thinking about this this morning. Maybe I shouldn't. Well, I should. I believe in science, but I believe in Jesus more. I believe in facts. But facts are always changing. But I believe in the Father more because the Father is unchangeable. I believe that COVID exists. But COVID is not greater than my covenant of healing. I've had it. I've been through it. I understand it. Can I tell you something? It's not going to get my affection. I will pay attention to it. I will read up on it. But I cannot be more filled with information than I am with revelation. And the problem is the church has become the informational church instead of the revelatory church. I have a more sure word of prophecy. I know I'm stepping on toes. I'll just preach to the screen because the screen don't look back. I'm not against mass. I'm not against science. I'm not against all of this stuff. I don't want you to think that I am. But my affection and my uh, attention is, faced, is focused on Jesus. Because all my days are written in a book. He knew when I would breathe my first breath and he knew when I would breathe my last. And I didn't breathe my first one before August 2nd, 1971. And I won't breathe my last one until the Lord says, you're done, you're finished, come on home. My hope is in the Lord. It causes me to get my hopes up. Because COVID will come to an end, but Jesus Christ and his kingdom has no end. Thank you for letting me. Here's what this is about. In 2020, in the beginning of the year, and even at the end of 2019, everybody was getting their banners ready and their logos ready and their websites ready and their social media blitz ready to announce 2020, the year of vision. <laughs> and the tagline or the scripture underneath it was this. Second Chronicles 2020. Which came at an amazing time in history. There was war everywhere. The children of Israel were outnumbered. The army was outmanned, outnumbered, outarmed. And Jehoshaphat inquires of the Lord. And the Lord gives him a crazy word about send the worshipers first. And it doesn't make sense. But 2 Chronicles 20, 20. If you believe the word of the Lord, you'll be established. And if you believe the word of his prophets, you'll prosper. Vision. 
Without vision, people perish, but without people, the vision will perish. And we went from 2020 vision to about this time last year, everything was blurry. And we didn't know if we were locking down or locking in or locking up. We didn't know what was true, what was truth, what was fiction, what was science. What, we didn't know any of it. We were just caught up in this story that we hoped we're gonna, was going to end in 15 days and then 30 days. And, then, and 12 months later, we're, we're still in the story and people have died and that's a shame. And one is too many. I, I get it. But all of a sudden, my attention, all of our attention began to move on what was happening instead of the one who was and who is and who is to come. And throughout the year, we we focused on more on who was president instead of who was king. And we focused more on what was happening instead, instead of the one who heals and the one who moves and the one who loved us and gave himself for us. And we lost our vision. But I can see clearly now because the rain is gone. And I got sunshine on a cloudy day. When it's cold outside, I got the month of May. If 2020 was a year of vision, I believe it is. But some of us needed to go to the Holy Spirit eye doctor. Because you locked your vision and you, you locked your gaze on the wrong thing. I'll follow science, but science better follow Jesus. All of these tweetable things that I could get in trouble for and blocked and erased and canceled. Because it's taken out of context. If you didn't hear what I said from the beginning, none of that would make sense. You would think that I'm coming against and throwing jabs. I'm not. I'm speaking truth because truth is a person. His name is Jesus. Facts. I had COVID. Truth. Jesus healed me. If 2020 was supposed to be a year of vision, then 2021 is a year of perspective. And the Lord is is lining my perspective. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. See, how I see him is how I will reveal him. I like the Christmas song, Little Drummer Boy. Because I have a son who's a drummer boy. And I even liked it before I had a son that was a drummer boy. It was just a cool parumpa pum pum. But said the night wind to the little lamb, Do you see what I see? And something else to something else, do you hear what I hear? Something else to something else, do you know what I know? I feel like the prophetic question of the hour from the Lord is this. Do you see what he sees? And do you hear what he hears? And do you know what he knows? See, the Lord wants to give us revelation that sets us free from information. I can't be more on news or social media or looking at data or statistics more than I am in the face of this book. This 
is infallible. My opinion is fallible. See, I believe this. We have to come to a place where we can separate personal preference and opinion from the prophetic voice of the Lord. And here's the thing that amazes me about prophecy. It often goes against my own perspective, preference, and opinion. Because he sees what I haven't seen yet. He knows what I haven't known yet. He hears what I haven't heard yet. And the Lord is fine-tuning us, and he's locking our eyes, and he's changing our perspective from here, looking around, from here, looking up, actually to realize that we are seated with Christ in heavenly places, which means from my father's lap, I get to look at the world around me and I get to actually prophesy solutions instead of declaring problems. This is the year of solutions, not resolutions. Face it, 99% of us by January 2nd blew our resolutions. I was going back to the gym. Y'all know that was a joke. I was going back to the slim gyms. Here's the perspective. To see like heaven. Revelation 4 and 1. And I looked up. And behold, this door standing open into heaven and a voice that sounded like a trumpet saying, come up here. Let me show you things that must take place. There is an invitation. Here's the invitation. Come up here. Let me show you some things that must take place. It's perspective. It's kingdom perspective, not churchy perspective. It's kingdom perspective, not American perspective. Some of you need to have an Isaiah moment. Isaiah 6, chapter 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. That verse will change your life. If you will let your Uzziah die, if you will let your distractions die, if you will let everything else that you put your trust and your hope in other than Jesus Christ die, in in the year that all of that goes away and you actually look up and you see the Lord, you will see him high and lifted up. And the train of his robe fills the temple. Train of his robe and hem of his garment, same word. One thread from the garment of Jesus can fill this whole room. And every one of you has access to grab a hold of it, to touch it, to pull on it for the healing of your body, the healing of your soul, the healing of your mind, the healing of your heart, the healing of your marriage, the healing of your finance, the the healing of your brokenness. He wants us, this perspective is about seeing through the lens of love and hearing with the heart. 2 Corinthians 5 and 14, for the love of God compels us I love how this has become a life first and a part of the core values of Iris and Heidi and Roland. It's the love of God that compels me. Fear repels me. Love compels me. Fear will cause me to repel within myself into self-preservation. 
Love will compel me to go where I've never gone before, to do what I've never done before. Fearless. Because his perfect love is greater than anything and everything I'd ever fear. See, there, there's an amazing call of God on this house. And the call is to the nations and to your neighbor. Isn't it something? The last year has kept us from the nations and a little bit isolated from our neighbor. But God is about to open the door. What if I were to tell you that your neighbor has been watching you preach by the way you've lived your life? Have you loved well and respected people's decision to mask up or not mask up? Have you loved well instead of criticizing and judging? Have you actually just manifested the love of Jesus to them? See, the kingdom of God is not about an argument or discussion. It is about power and demonstration. And we turn the church into the great discussion when Jesus is calling us back to demonstration. I'm trying not to get too excited today. Here's why. Jesus doesn't come to hype us up. I like to preach. I'm a little Pentecostal. I'm not ashamed of it. I will stand on a chair. I will wear a suit and tie. I, I, will, I will yell at you. For an hour and a half and you will like it. And you will not understand anything I said, but you'll want what I said because I hyped you up. But don't exchange the hype for holy. Don't mistake hype for holy or holy as hype. The Lord is restoring the divine order of things. He's restoring order to our society, order to our body, order to our churches. True discipleship is coming back to the church. It's teaching people how to live a God kind of life. Here's where I'll close. It's 1302. And they told me I had till one. So it looks like I have, I don't know. Don't change that. If you've been in the military, you've been in law enforcement, you know it, but nobody else does. So you just keep that to yourself. Ezekiel 37, here, here's where I close, which means you got about 10 minutes. 20 if you're lucky. 30 if I'm really anointed. 45 if I'm annoying. See, I've just raised your expectations and crashed them all at the same time. You're like, this is amazing. Ezekiel 37, verse one. The spirit of the Lord hand came upon me and he led me out into the valley. And behold, it was the valley of dry bones and there were many bones out and about me. And behold, they were very, very dry. I believe this vision took place in a time like we're living in. The valley of dry bones literally translate, translates to this. 
the place of lowest esteem, the place of hopelessness and greatest impossibility. These bones weren't just broken and disjointed. They were actually crushed like powder. If you read the original, it goes very descriptive. And the words he uses, how many know words are important? Crushed like powder to the place of greatest impossibility. And the Lord asked the question. He wasn't looking for Ezekiel's opinion. And it wasn't as if God didn't already know the answer. He asked him this question. Son of man, can these bones live again? And Ezekiel plays it prophetically safe and politically correct. Lord, only you know. In other words, this question is above my pay grade. This question I did not go to school for. It was not covered in SOSL. It was not covered in year one, year two, or in year three in my internship. This did not come in my seminary degree. Lord, only you know. And the Lord doesn't bat an eye, doesn't question him about his answer. He just gives him a command. Prophesy, son of man. Command these bones to live again. Here's what Ezekiel said. So I did as I was commanded. Literally translated. So I did my job. Makes me want to question what happens when I open up my mouth. What happens when I say what God is saying? What happens when I lay hands on the sick? What happens when I do what Jesus asks me to do? So I did my job and suddenly there came the sound of a shaking and a rattling as bone came back together, bone to bone. There's a shaking and a rattling about to come through Williamson County and Davidson County and Rutherford County, Murfreesboro and Spring Hill and, and all the way to Nashville and right here in Franklin and beyond. It is the sound of a shaking and a rattling because that which has been separated and in disagreement and disjointed and denominationalized and opinionized, God is about to bring resurrection life and that which is in the valley of dry bones. See, you may be able to look at things and go that we will never be one. Can I tell you something? I got a prophetic word for you. This is the year of oneness. This is the year to answer the prayer of Jesus. Father, make them one as you and I are one. And I can be one with you with a mask and I can be one with you if you don't have a mask as long as we can connect heart to heart. See, it's not about me walking shoulder to shoulder with you. It's not me walking hip to hip or hand in hand. It is about me walking heart to heart with you, following and answering the prayer of Jesus. Father, make them one as you and I are one. You know, the Holy Spirit will take you where you really don't want to go. I I thought about this scripture. Like, I'm sure he'd like, can I trade this in for David? Like green pastures. I mean, he walked through the valley of the shadow of death, but didn't come on him. He got green pastures and cool streams. And can I have that one? I mean, how would you like to be the director of tourism for the Valley of Dry Bones? 
We don't have movie stars and swimming pools. We got bones, lots and lots of bones. The Spirit of God will take you where you really don't want to go. I'm going to say something provocative. Ready? I've been nice the rest of the morning. It's not just time to surrender. It's time to submit. I surrender my life, but I also need to submit my life to you and to the Lord. I need to submit my gifts. I need to submit my calling. I need to submit to the Lord and say, Lord, not your will, but my, not my will, but yours be done. Don't miss that part of the message. It's actually a really good part. Come on. The Lord's bringing us into a season of redemption, restoration, renewal, revival, and reformation. I want you to know something. That the Lord's stepping right into the valley of this season. And he's causing bone to come together, bone to bone. There is an alignment. There is an adjoining. There is a connection that God is bringing back to us in the church and in the earth. Are you ready for that? Don't stop at your first revelation. If you stop at your first revelation, you'll end up with a skeleton. You'll have a frame and a form, but you'll be missing the body. The bone came back together bone to bone, but there was no flesh upon them. And the spirit of the Lord said to me again, son of man, prophesy. Prophesied of the skin, prophesied of the sinew, prophesied of the muscle. So I did my job again. I did as I was commanded. But there was no life in them. We can have all of the structure, all the pretty lights. We can have the best audio visual. We can have the best worship team. We can have the best building and the tallest steeples. But unless the breath of God is in the house, it's just dead. And I thank God for structure. It gives God something to breathe upon. But he didn't call me to be the building. He called me to be his house. Because he wants to dwell in me. So he said, prophesy, son of man. Prophesy to these slain that they may live. So I did as I was commanded. And there stood in front of me a mighty army. What changed? Perspective. See, you may see dry bones in America today. I see an army. You you may see a pandemic, but I see prophecies about to be fulfilled. You may see all of this, uh, all of this hatred and all of this stuff taking place, but it tells me that there's about to be a move and an outpouring of the love of God that's going to restore family and race that God is about to bring us together. See, if you're going to be prophetic, you also have to ask this question. What's greater, my right to speak or my responsibility to listen? I will tell you that my responsibility to listen is greater than my right to speak. Because unless I hear God, I have nothing to say. And unless I hear you, I don't know how to help you, minister to you, add value to you, love you well. And we're so afraid of having conversations because we're having cultural conversations when God is calling us to have kingdom conversations. What is God saying? What is God saying? What is God doing?
He can heal generations of wounds and hatred that has wrongfully, spitefully wreaked havoc and pain on generations of African-Americans and Latinos and other races, American, Native Americans, all of that. How do you fix that? You can't, but God can. It's releasing the kingdom and the word of the Lord, not my own opinion. Are you hearing me today? The anointing of Ezekiel is about to fall in this room to align you to see with the perspective of heaven. See, I think a lot of people have missed it in this last season because they prophesied from pain. And when I prophesy from my pain, I will hurt you. There's nothing worse than a wounded prophet. Because I will tell you everything wrong that you did to me and put it in nice spiritual language. And I'll miss it. Some people miss it because they're prophesying from emotion. And our emotions and feelings are feeble. Although a strong part of the prophetic is feeling. I have to have the emotions of God, not just the emotions of man. Some people miss it because of personal aspirations. They want to make a name for themselves and they don't even know it. Some people miss it because they wanted to be echoes instead of voices. So they were saying what everybody else was saying instead of hearing what God was saying. All I know is this. There's a great rumbling and a great humbling, but a great revival on the other side. Because the words of Ezekiel chapter two are still true. But afterwards, after what? After you've gone through hell and back. After you've gone through the pain and the suffering and the stretching and the tearing and the breaking and the suffering. After you go through that, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. When did Pentecost come? When all hope seemed lost. They were by themselves. They were in quarantine. In the midst of a pandemic. And Holy Spirit fell. Because they weren't having a woe is me party. They were praying. In one Honda. I mean mean one accord. And they started saying Honda. Shundai. No, no, no. I was getting too serious. I was afraid that you guys were going to stone me or something. Get it, Honda Accord. See what I did there. That joke's from the 80s. Still makes me giggle every time. Better act like you like it. I'll keep you here another 45 minutes. And I will go from anointed to annoying. Right? It just, does this make sense to you? There's a shaking and a rattling taking place. The world depends on it. Do you see what I see? Do you hear what I hear? Can I tell you a cool story in closing? I'm going to tell you anyway. 
there is nothing convenient about living a supernatural lifestyle. A few years ago, I was in Venezuela. Venezuela is an amazing upheaval and all kinds of brokenness. And we're in these meetings, these pastor meetings by day, and the pastors didn't want to be there, but they didn't want to be the only pastors not there. So they all came reluctantly. Now that's a crowd of dry bones. God would move some, and, and, but it was, it was hard, man. It was just hard because religion's meaner than sin. One night we'd have these night meetings and God broke through one of these nights. There was a little girl there, had her arms folded and she was just staring me down the whole time. You tell she didn't want to be there. I took it as a word of knowledge that God had his eye on her. Perspective. And she was angered and all kinds of things. I said, Lord, why is she so hurt? Why is she so angry? Lord said, oh, she's 17 years old and she's lost already. She's lost the hope of a glorious church. Her mom was married to a minister. He had an affair. She married another minister. He had another affair. And, and so she just feels like men of God are just corrupt. So she doesn't trust you. She doesn't trust anybody in this room. And all of a sudden, I just kept ministering. And, and, the, and the Lord said, now you can speak to her. And just tell her, say, honey, the Lord wants to heal the hope of a glorious church in you. As soon as I said it, like God hit the room and she began to scream out. She began to cry out, Lord, restore the hope of a glorious church in the earth. Lord, restore the hope of a glorious church in the earth. Some people were disturbed. Some people felt like it was out of order. And all of a sudden, conviction fell upon 27 pastors and they ran forward, faced the congregation, all began to yell out and pray out. We will restore the hope of a glorious church in Venezuela. We will restore the hope of a glorious church in the earth. We will restore the hope of a glorious church. And the Lord just began to erupt. The next night we had more people than we could fit in the building. And, and so by the Friday night meeting, we, we actually had to rent a space in, in an open air place, but it was the worst place to have a meeting. Because we were in this open courtyard that could seat about a thousand people, but next to us was a wedding hall and there was a wedding going on. Behind us, a discotheque. And over here was a thatch roof bar with drinking and all kinds of stuff going on with other music. So yeah, it is this surround sound of distraction. It is not the place to have a church meeting. The worship team couldn't take off with it and and so they, uh, they, they just shut it down and they gave it to me. I couldn't hear myself speak. I shut my Bible. I was ready to be done. And the Lord said, keep going. And right about the time I was preaching good, the Lord said, stop. Which is tension for me. He said, stop. Speak to the woman on the other side of the wall. There's a thousand people in front of me that I could have picked out. But he wants to speak to a woman on the other side of the wall that I can't see. And he tells me her name is Anna Esther and she's 26 years old. She just prayed what she thought was her last prayer. God, if you're real, speak to me. And I had to spell faith, R-I-S-K. Or T-R-U-S-T. 
And I just said, Anna Esther, you're 26. You're on the other side of the wall. You just prayed what you thought was your last prayer. God, if you're real, speak to me. This is the Lord speaking to you. If you can hear me, Anna Esther, come through the wedding hall. I'm the gringo with a microphone. And I went back to preaching, hoping everybody would forget in case I missed it. <laughs> a few minutes later, this long, black-haired, beautiful girl came, mascara running down her face. She said, I'm Anna Esther. She takes a gun out of her purse, puts it on the platform and said, I was going to, I caught my husband cheating on me in the discotheque. And so I was going to go sit in my car and take my life. But before I did, I leaned up against the wall and I said, God, if you're real, speak to me. And at the time you called me by name and spoke to me. She gave her life to Jesus. Today, the amazing thing is this, that her and her husband are completely restored and they're pastoring in Caracas, Venezuela. It's not just the blessing of prophecy. It's the power of prophecy. Why am I sharing this with you? Because you may see dry bones, but God sees an army. Maybe the person who resists you the most is actually going to become more radical in their faith than you. Don't let the fear of their rejection keep you from seeing the, the potential of their salvation. There are some of you right now, you feel like this, this is the driest season of your life. You have a hard time connecting with people. You have a hard time connecting with God. And this last year, it's been like this whole thing of isolation. And I'm telling you right now, God's about to bring you out. I break the lie that you're alone. I break the lie that you're the only one. I break the lie that because you've been isolated, you've been forgotten about. He cannot take his eyes off of you. Because when he sent you to this earth, he planted a promise on the inside of you and he watches over his word day and night and he's careful to perform it. And I'm here to tell you right now, God is bringing us out of the, the shaking into the stirring that we are about to watch one of the greatest marvels, one of the greatest majestic messes that the earth has ever seen. Because he's gonna turn things inside out and outside in. He's about to cause things to be stirred up and shaken in such a way and here's what I want to tell you. Don't be offended when people you thought who would never get saved, get saved. Don't get offended when somebody on the other side of your political preference gives their life to the Lord and it makes national news. Don't, don't you get offended when somebody hungrier than you does what you used to do, but you're no longer hungry to do. Don't, don't get offended when somebody else is getting revelation and you're just stuck in information. I feel it in my spirit today. There's breakthrough in the room. This is a breakthrough word. It's an aligning word. That's what the prophetic does. It comes to align us. It comes to, to, to bring breakthrough to us. But you've got to receive it. We're about to watch one of the greatest outpourings of healing the earth has ever seen. Yes. We're, about to pour, we're about to watch the Lord pour out one of the greatest outpourings of love the earth has ever seen. We're about to watch more salvations in 2021 than we've seen in decades. Are you hearing me? You get to be a part of it. You get not just to be a partaker, but you actually get to be a releaser of it. All of creation is longing. I know they're not mad at you. They're just broken. 
They're not rejecting you. They just don't think you're, they're good enough for him yet. Some of them just have never felt love and so they, they resist it instead of embracing it. But if you keep pursuing, you keep loving, can I tell you, I feel this so strong. This is the season to pursue it to, and, and to recover all, every moment. If I were you, I'd make up your mind. You're gonna glorify Jesus and make the enemy pay for everything he put you through in the last year. For every meeting we couldn't have, I just declare right now, we're gonna see greater harvest. We're about to see greater miracles. We're about to see the Lord do the greater things. This is a setup, not a segue. I just believe right now that some of you are stepping into the place of your miracle. Some of you have been in that place like Joseph, 17 years of waiting. The dream testing you until it comes to pass. I love the words, and it shall come to pass, but I love it even more when it says, and it came to pass. The Lord's about to bring us into the, and it came to pass. Are you ready to go there? So Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, Lord, would you release right now a fresh roar of revelation, Lord, in the house. Lord, I just declare right now, every vault that's been locked up, Lord, every vault and the lives of every believer in this house that's been locked up, Lord, would you unlock it and release the value of their voice? Holy Spirit, would you come, sacred breath of God, and breathe on us? Lord, would you change our perspective that we wouldn't see dry bones, but we would see an army? Do you see what I see? Do you hear what I hear? I feel like there's keys being released all over this room. Keys of unlocking. Keys of unlocking. Lord, I thank you for what you're unlocking. Lord, for the keys of David, what you unlock, nobody will be able to shut. What you shut, nobody will be able to open. Lord, I thank you for a new sound. I thank you for a new sound. Grab a hold of it. I hear the Lord saying as we close today, behold, I come to do a new thing. Don't look for what was, look for what is and is to come. This is a season where I'm anointing you to move forward. Forward in faith, forward in fellowship, forward in promise, forward in revelation. I'm anointing your hands again. Some of you right now are about to feel fire in your hands again. I don't know who I'm talking to. The enemy has lied to somebody in this room and said, you've lost your anointing and you haven't felt him in a long time. And I'm telling you, fire is dropping in your hands again. If that's you, I want you to stand up where you are and lift your hands high to heaven. That healing anointing is being reactivated in your life. Some of you right now, it's like it's been a long time it's like the Lord's voice to you has almost been distant. And some of you are about to feel fire in your ears and fire in your mouth. And if that's you, I want you to stand to your feet right where you are. He's reactivating. You didn't lose it. The Lord's stirring it up again on the inside of you. Some of you, right now you've given up your dream for missions and you feel like that you just are in a perpetual lockdown. 
you're about to feel fire in your feet again because it's time to go. It's time to go. And I just believe right now that there is a re-emerging and a reawakening taking place. Young man there in the, in the plaid off to my right-hand side standing there. You got your hands out like this. Can you just lift your hands really high? But I felt like the Lord said, the anointing to speak to dry bones is upon you. The anointing to call your generation into revival, into a place of knowing the goodness and the faithfulness of God is coming upon you. There are two things that really mark you. One is boldness and the other is kindness. Even when you confront, you will confront in kindness. And when you do that, people will turn to the Lord by the hundreds and by the thousands. And I just feel right now just the weight of his glory coming upon you. And the Lord has anointed you to think different. And that's why at times you find yourself more by yourself than in groups of people. But the Lord said, I'm going to surround you not just with good friends, with God friends. And I'm going to fill your life with my goodness and my glory. And the Lord says that in that time of alone, you're going to hear my voice like Samuel did. We're going to meet together heart to heart and face to face. For the Lord said, I didn't just give you my life, but you have chosen to give me your life as well, even from your earliest of age. And your testimony will come the testimony of generations after you that simply says, I've known Jesus my whole life. It's going to be one of the greatest, most powerful testimonies that the world has ever seen. I've known Jesus my whole life. You're about to lay hands on people with autism and see them healed. You're about to see young kids that have stage four cancer diagnosis get healed and get completely set free. The anointing of Jesus, the healer, is, is about to rock your world, is about to, to move and flow through you in unprecedented ways. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. The couple there on the, on the, on the third row, I just felt like the Lord said that this is a season where there's movement all around you. And I feel like there's been people around you that have vacated, like they've just, they've head for the hills. It's almost like that they just took off, but you've stood your ground and you stayed in the place where God called you to. And because of that, you're about to flourish. And I felt like the Lord said, it's going to be one of your greatest seasons of fruitfulness that the earth has ever seen, that your lives have ever seen. And I just really felt like the Lord is beginning like this awakening on the inside of you. And I felt like the Lord said that the two of you live in a different realm. Like it's, the two of you are out of this world. It's a beautiful thing. And I just feel like the Lord said that this is going to be a season of the extravagance of heaven being sown upon you, being showered upon you. And because you didn't move with the status quo and you didn't move out of convenience, but you stayed in the place where God called you to, you're about to flourish and you're about to bear much fruit in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. My brother in the back, you've got your hands on the back of your head, sunglasses on top of your head. Brother, I just saw like alarm clocks and big kind of clocks like Big Ben and other significant. And I just felt like the Lord said, you know what time it is. And you're about to awaken the bride. But at the same time, you're not afraid to awaken the beast. 
And I asked the Lord what it meant. And the Lord said, he's not afraid of the enemy. And what I felt like this, there was an anointing for deliverance upon your life. That you were going to cause the oppressed to go free. And you're anointing, you're anointed in the church and for the church, but your anointing is going to increase when you're outside the church. And I felt like the Lord said that you're about to release uh, like a counterattack of the, uh, of the Lord upon the enemy's camp. And those that the enemy said, these are mine and they're untouchable. The Lord says, you're going to cross the line and bring people back from the pit of hell and bring them into the kingdom of heaven. And I just felt, felt like the Lord said that there is an anointing on your life of divine health. And I felt like the Lord said that, that he's about to show up in everyday life with you. And I, I feel like there's an anointing that when you just do what you do, and I felt like the Lord said he gets his reps in. But as you're putting the reps in, I felt like the Lord said you're about to, he's about to release even greater revelation in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Over the dollar family, I just declare that this would be a season of respite. That this would be a season where the Lord is about to bring you into a place of the restoration of rest. That there would be no anxiety when the, 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 the text goes off or the phone rings. And I just felt like the Lord just showed me the front page of a newspaper. And I felt like conversations are going to begin with this. We've got some good news for you. We've got some good news for you. Lord, I thank you for good news. I thank you for good news for Becky and Jeff and Joel and Bethany. Lord, I thank you for good news today for Jeff's dad. I thank you for good news for his mom, for Becky's mom. Lord, I just declare right now a season of resting on the promises of God. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. I know I'm over, but I saw this in a vision today. I saw like the Lord just kept showing me all kinds of shoes and I like shoes, so I thought I was going to get another pair, but that was just my flesh interpreting a prophecy, and, uh, which never ends to the right result. But I, I saw the scripture in, the, in, in Ephesians 6 where it talks about the armor of God. It talks about being shod with the shoes of peace. Shod with the shoes of peace. If you know anything about that, that Roman armor, you would know this, that the shoes of peace had a spike in the heel. And the way that it was in there never allowed you to fall back. You could only fall forward. And I don't know who I'm talking to today, but you've dug in your heel and you felt like you're going to get knocked back, but you're about to fall forward into promise. You're about to, kill, you're about to move forward towards the promise of God. I don't know who I'm talking to today, but this is a season where you're about to get your balance. You're about to move forward. The two of you right there uh, in, in the middle, I just felt like the Lord said that Jesus, the redeemer is about to show up in your house. And I just feel like I'm very hesitant when I, when I, I, I give time frames because timing is the biggest thing or the hardest thing to get right in prophecy. But I, I saw this very clearly. That over the course of the next 90 days, the Lord is about to put things in divine alignment. He's about to cause some red tape to be cut. And it's like, I felt like the Lord said people that kind of just almost like stepped out or, 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 or broke heaven. God's about to bring them back to the table. 
And some people like viewed it as contractual, but the Lord said, you made covenant and I'm going to honor my word. I'm going to honor the covenant. And I just felt like the Lord said that in this season where you've chosen to speak blessing and even at times be silent, the, the Lord says that I am awakening hearts. I'm awakening. I'm turning hearts to, for your favor and my glory in Jesus name, in Jesus name. Alan, I know you've gotten this word before, and so I, I don't like giving it to you again, but I heard the Lord say, write the book. And this time he put an S at the end, write the books. And I, I know that, that, that you are a wisdom guy, and I feel like the Lord is going to bring people into a place I don't know how to explain it, but I saw the wisdom of Solomon coming upon you. And I feel like that in that wisdom, it's like the, the Lord is about to almost express things in a different way. And I just felt like the Lord was doing something in your heart today. I don't know how, why I felt this, but I felt like the Lord said that heaven's hanging out over your house today. And I feel like that you're going to feel more encounter than you've, than you've felt in a long time. And I feel like this is a season of refreshing for you. But I also felt like the Lord said, I'm going to cause you to have what people are going to think are intellectual conversations, but you're going to turn it to kingdom conversations. And I just felt like the Lord said that this is going to be a season of the suddenly of God for you. I believe it's for your whole house, but I feel like there's some suddenlies you're about to step into. And I feel like that the, it's almost like this. I saw, um, I saw like eagles coming around you and they were like chasing off other birds of prey. They were chasing off vultures and all kinds of things. And I asked the Lord about it. And I felt like the Lord said that the vultures tried to come and stir up fear, but the eagles are coming to to stir up revelation and faith again. And I, I just believe that the Lord's about to bring you in to the suite. He's about to bring you into that place of perspective. And with that perspective is coming supernatural surprises in Jesus name. In Jesus' name. So, Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for all that you're saying and doing in our midst. Lord, I don't believe I had just a message to preach. I believe that if we'd go back and listen to it again, there's a, there's a prophecy, Lord, that came out conversationally. It came out in a message. But, Lord, I, I believe that something was, was being aligned in us. And, Lord, so any word that came from me, or my thoughts, Lord, would you let it fall to the ground and die? But every word that came from you, Lord, but I, I pray that it would, it would spring forth and, and bring life with it, Jesus. Lord, would you teach us how to minister to those that are in pain? Would you teach us how to minister to those, Lord, that, that, that may just be having birth pains in the earth? Lord, they're waiting for us. They're not rejecting us. They're not resisting us, and they're not persecuting us. Lord, it's just a sign that they're a part of our promise and a part, you want them to be a part of your kingdom. Lord, will you give us heaven's perspective, heaven's eyes today? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you.